Okay, so before we begin, I just wanted to open in a word of prayer for us. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for bringing us here together this morning. Lord, I just pray that you just open up our hearts this morning. Help us to hear your words. Help us to receive what you have to teach us this morning, Lord. May your spirit be with us this morning, Lord. Amen. Okay. So yes, I'm going to be talking about the 5,000 when Jesus fed the 5,000. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Mark 6, verses 30 to 42. And it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to sit before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Okay. So as I was reading the passage, the first thing that really stood out to me was the compassion of Jesus. As we begin to read the many descriptions of God throughout the Bible, he's often described as a compassionate God. You know. The writers of the Old Testament often reflect and ponder on the mystery of who God is. And often the word that comes up is compassion. In the Hebrew Bible, 
The word compassion is centered around a person's core and at times it's also translated as deeply moved. And the word that is used there is rakum. And what's interesting about that Hebrew word rakum is it's interested to the Hebrew word for womb. Okay. So it kind of evokes this image of a mother's tender feelings towards her child. That's the picture we get. And it's not just any, an emotional word, it's also a word that evokes action. Okay. And so over and over in the Old Testament, we see the Israelites reject God continually okay, and choose their own way. Their, re their rebellion results in them being exiled and scattered among the nations. And it's in this moment in Israel's history that we see this response from God. Yet another example of his compassion for his people. And he says in Isaiah 49 verses 15, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Okay. God is full of compassion and, cho and chooses to rescue his people. And later on in Isaiah 53, we see God's greatest plan of rescue. We, in Isaiah 53, it creates this image of Jesus, of the death of Jesus. And that is really what this is all about. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is God's love, God's word, God's compassion become human. Okay. And the Greek word for compassion that is used in Mark is only ever used to describe Jesus. Only ever used to describe Jesus. And so that's what we see here. Okay. So Jesus is with the disciples. They're exhausted. They've had a day full of ministry. The chapter before, John the Baptist has been beheaded. So who knows what Jesus was feeling in that moment. They're probably grieving the death of John the Baptist. But they're tired. They're exhausted. They want to get away. And there's this multitude of people that we see that are longing to meet this Jesus. And when Jesus sees him, the Bible tells us that he has compassion on them. He has compassion because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And this is, this is like us. Many of us, when we first came to church, when we first encountered Jesus, we were like sheep without a shepherd. And but for the mercy and the compassion of Jesus, we'd all still be lost. And I like Luke's version of the story. In Luke's version of the story, it says he welcomed them and then he began 
to teach them about the kingdom of God and he healed many of them. We as believers are called to have compassion for those around us. And this compassion is so much more than just the emotions we feel. It's really a call to action. It's a call to action to relieve the pain and the suffering of all those around us. There's so many people in our nation that are struggling, so many people in our country, in our communities that are suffering. There's so many people that are like sheep without a shepherd, seeking, longing, desperately looking for something, something to bring meaning, for hope. And what Jesus calls us to do is to show compassion. And you know what? The greatest act of compassion that we can do as people who believe in Jesus is to share the gospel of Jesus to them is to tell them about the kingdom of God. And so that's what we see Jesus do. He has compassion and he starts to teach them about the kingdom of God. And then the Bible says, and when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy two denarii, 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so here again, the disciples, they're just looking at this multitude of people and they're just thinking, Jesus, you need to get these people away. You know, we're tired. We've just come from a long time of ministry and ministering to people. And, and they're just seeing this large crowd of people who are hungry and needing to be fed. But then Jesus does something very, very interesting. He responds to them only in a way that Jesus would respond. So whilst the disciples saw this great need, okay, and were, were overwhelmed by this great need, I mean, 200 denarii was thought to be a year's worth of salary. That's what they said. That's what it would take to feed these people. And they saw the lack. And there are many times, you know, when we will feel that way, where we are overwhelmed by the great need around us. We look around us and we think, how can we possibly, possibly reach out to so many people? There's so many people every single day needing support, needing help, and it can feel like we just don't have the resources to reach out to everyone. I know at times I've felt that way. I've often sat and said, God, there, there's so many people suffering. How can I as a person 
reach out to all these people? How can we do it? And yet Jesus responds to them and says, you give them something to eat. So where they saw their lack, Jesus challenged them to take what they had. And so that's what they did. You know, they, they went and they found some bread and some fish, because that's all they had. But even then, I mean, 5,000, possibly 10,000 to 20,000, including the women and children. How on earth do you feed that crowd with five loaves and two fish? It must have felt impossible. And at times it can feel that way for us. It can feel like God what do we have to give? Or all I have is just this little bit. But I believe what Jesus does sometimes is he really challenges us to take what we have, the little that we have, and give it to him. Okay. And give it to him. And not only does he challenge us, challenges us to take what we have and to give it to him. You know. Um, yeah. You know, this requires us to really have a faith in Christ. And I really want us to think about that because I was thinking, you know, during the week that Often in our journey of faith, it can feel like we really, really don't have much to give. And the challenge for us is to take what we have and just bring it to Christ. Even when it comes to serving Christ, you know, one of the biggest challenges that's often given to us is to serve. And as you serve, just take a look at what you have, what you have to offer, how can you contribute to the community, what can you bring? I think sometimes we can get, often get so caught up in what we don't have, that we develop this attitude that just says, you know what, you know what, I don't know, I don't have this, I'm lacking this, I don't have the skills, I don't have the money. And and often we, we become spectators, we become the people who just come to church and sit down and just watch other people serve and the real challenge is for us to come, come to Christ with what you have. Give him what you have and watch what he will do with what you have. And he said to them, yeah, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And when they found out, they said, five fish and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And so we see Jesus split this group into fifties and hundreds. And when I was reading this passage, it kind of reminded me a little bit of community. That's the image I had. It's of community. And, and I just wanted to do, talk a little bit about that, about the importance of community. Again, when we come to church, we come like a multitude of people seeking Jesus. But there's something powerful about being in community. And so one of the things we encourage here is people to find a cell group. And one of the reasons why it's important to be a part of a cell group is because that is the place where you really start to plug into the church. It's, a part, it, it, it's the place where you really get to study the Bible with a small group of people. You get to know them. You get to build relationship. You get to journey with people. And because the reality is we cannot go on this journey alone. We were built for community. We were built to walk alongside each other. Okay. And interestingly enough, you know, when I was thinking of community, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the story of David. You know, in 2 Samuel 11 verses 1, it says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David remained in Jerusalem. You know, so David sends all his servants, all his people, they're out in battle, and he remains, he remains in Jerusalem. And then one evening, when he's on a balcony, he notices Bathsheba. But I thought, David should have been out fighting the battle alongside with his people. But instead he was home, alone. He was in Jerusalem. And I thought he was by himself. There was no one there around to hold him accountable, no one there to say, hey, David, this is a bad idea, what you're about to do. He was alone. And from then on, things started to unravel for him. We were not meant to go on this journey alone. We're meant to journey together as a community. Being alone leaves you vulnerable. It leaves you vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So I really encourage you to be a part of a community. Get plugged in. If you're not part of a cell group, I encourage you to go. Find one, join one. It can really be a significant step in your journey of faith. Okay. Okay. Then, And so they t sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifty. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven 
and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish amongst them all. Okay. And so the disciples obeyed Jesus. They gave him the bread and the fish and then he blessed it. And we're not quite sure what Jesus said in that moment. It is thought that he probably prayed a very famous Jewish prayer. Okay. And it goes something like this. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the world, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. Okay. It was a prayer of thanksgiving. Okay. Praising God for the provision that he has given. And so Jesus feeds the people. And there are 12 baskets left over. There's an abundance of food. He takes the little that they gave him and he multiplies it. Okay. And so Jesus does the same with us. You know, little is much when you give it to Jesus. So again, it's just an encouragement to us to take what we have and to give it to Jesus. Yeah. Take what you have. Come in faith before Jesus and watch what he does when you give him what you have. And the amazing thing about this passage is that it's really, really a foreshadowing of what Jesus was about to do. It was a foreshadowing of the, of the Last Supper. Because the real bread that the people were seeking was the bread that Jesus gives. And that is the word of God. The interesting thing about this, about this story is that it's the only miracle recorded in all of the gospel, apart from the resurrection. It's the only one. There was something significant about this story. When you really think about it, the feeding didn't begin when Jesus gave the bread. It began when he began to teach them, when he had compassion on them and he began to teach them the word. Because that is the bread that they were seeking. It's the word of God. And it's the same with us. The true bread that we're seeking is the one that Jesus gives. It's his word. It's his word. And I think sometimes it can be so easy to miss that. As we come to God with our needs, as we come to God 
with our wants, with our desires. Often when people read the story, it gives them courage because they think, yeah, I can bring God my little and he will multiply it. But it can be so easy to miss the real message of the story, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bread that we are seeking. In John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's what Jesus said. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. It's a foreshadowing of the Last Supper where he feeds you the bread that comes down from heaven, where he feeds you by himself, of himself, and out of compassion for you. Jesus is the bread that we seek in church. Jesus is the one that satisfies. The bread that comes from heaven is the bread that truly satisfies and fulfills our every need. We read it throughout the Testament. Who is this shepherd? Who is this savior who will come? Who is the shepherd who will lead the sheep. And it is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. Okay. And and it says and they and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Yeah. And they were satisfied. Church, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one that truly satisfies. Don't miss that as you come to church. Don't miss that. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus Christ. You know, we, we live in a world that tries to minimize that. You know, we live in a world where there's a, a gospel that tries to emphasize prosperity. And so always remember as you're reading the gospel that everything points to Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Everything points to Jesus. And yeah, and that's yeah, and that is the message I wanted to share with you this morning.
is remember to have compassion. Give to Christ what you have. And don't forget Jesus, the bread of life.